So today I'll be reading from Matthew 15, uh, from verse 21 to about 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. I just want to quickly pray and say thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are good and that you never let us down. Thank you that you are a good God. This morning, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes so we could see you. That you would open up our ears to hear directly from you, Lord. That you would open up our hearts to receive from you, O oh God, this morning. We want to know you, O oh God, the good, good God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 So, I don't know about you, but when I've read this pas passage, it has really left me uncomfortable. Like, I know, God, you're good, but you seem so indifferent. You seem almost cold. This woman is desperate. And lately, when I've read the scriptures, I come across some scriptures and I'm like, oh, God, I'm not sure. And I quickly skip over. But actually, I've really been challenged that, no, this is the word of God. This is truth. And if maybe I don't understand it, then maybe I need to dig a bit further and find out. And I think that's what I want to do in this passage today, to hear from the living God. What is he saying? Because we know God is good. We've been singing that is good. And yet, on face value, it sounds as if... Um, our Lord is a bit indifferent. So it starts by saying, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So earlier in, Ma in Matthew 15, we see that um, Jesus had been, uh, you know, the Pharisees had confronted Jesus and they were like, wait a minute, your disciples don't even wash their hands. They don't even seem to follow the traditions, you know, and... You know, and Jesus calls them out and says, actually, you are hypocrites. You're more worried about that. You know, you, you, you pay service to God via your lips, but actually in your hearts, your hearts are far away from God. And they were so offended. And then Jesus tells the crowd and his disciples and says, actually, what goes into your mouth does not defile you. But what comes out of your mouth is what defiles because it proceeds from your heart. I mean, from the heart. And so when we start the verse, this is where Jesus is coming from. Just, you know, then he says he went away to the region of um, Tyre and Sidon. And just, just for context, um, Tyre and Sidon, was a, it, it, was, um, it was like a Gentile or, you know, a pagan district. It wasn't a district where the Jews uh, necessarily lived. We know from Joshua and from Judges that Tyre and Sidon had been allocated by Joshua to the tribe of Asher. But when the tribe of Asher went in there, they didn't, 
as God had instructed that you have to, I mean, like the people need to go and then you inhabit the land. But they didn't. They inhabited the land together with the Canaanites. And we know even by looking at um, King Ahab, he ended up marrying um, Jezebel, who was a princess of Sidon. And we know that they ended up worshipping the gods of that land. They ended up worshipping the Baals. So this is where Jesus has gone to, the district of Tyre and Sidon. And it's not necessarily um, a Jewish city. And then it says, and behold. You know, every time you see the world, behold. It's like, wait a minute. Pay attention. Look. There's something to be learned here. There's something impressive about this. And it says, so I'll continue. A Canaanite woman from the region came out crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And it's a cry that many of us can relate to of being desperate. You know, is there anyone here right now who is desperate for the Lord's mercy? Do you feel condemned, ashamed? Guilty of what has happened in life? Do you feel like you've tried everything you possibly can and you're still stuck in addiction? Are you desperate, so desperate for a broken relationship to be restored, but you cannot see how this is even possible? You know, are you troubled or afflicted in any way? This woman was desperate. And she says, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. The Canaanite woman was desperate and was crying to Jesus to have compassion. Lord, be gracious, help. My little daughter is afflicted. You know, she calls to the Lord. The minute that you say, Lord, you're actually submitting. You're saying, Master, you know, I'm under your submission. Help me, you know. And that's what she does. She calls him son of David, which is the messianic name of Jesus. She, re- she, she knew that this was the anointed, promised Messiah, Messiah, the Messiah that was going to save Israel. The woman knew exactly who, he was go- who she was going to. You know, I've always wondered, I wondered when I was reading this that actually, this is a Gentile. This woman doesn't... So where did this woman get to know about Jesus? You know, just earlier... Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, we know that Jesus is by the sea. He's in a boat because the crowds are just too much. And it says as he's, and as he's teaching, as he's preaching there, uh, there are people from Jerusalem, from Judea, but it also says there were people from the region of Tyre and Sidon. So I wonder, was that woman in that crowd, did she see Jesus heal every sickness? Did she see Jesus... Um, Uh, You know, like people who came to Jesus who were demon-possessed and were set free. Did she see that? You know, I wonder. Or also, could she have heard about Jesus from others? Maybe she wasn't there. But, you know, she had heard about him. He was being talked about. He had fed 5,000 and there was so much left over. We know he had stopped a procession, a funeral procession, and he had raised the boy from the dead. So many things had happened. But Termias had been, his eyes had been opened. And I'm just wondering, had this woman heard about Jesus? And then I guess my question to you is, what have you heard about Jesus? What have you seen Jesus do for others? 
You know, or right now you might say, actually, I know Jesus very well. But have you asked of him? Have you gone and asked from the Messiah? Have you asked for your healing? Have you asked for your deliverance? Have you asked for your joy? Have you asked for your peace? You know, Jesus, this, this woman came. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. And then we'll just continue reading. And then now we hear, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying after us. You know, I almost imagine, like, this woman is desperate. She's got her little girl. You know, I, I'm a mother, and I'm thinking, I've been so desperate for my girls a lot. And I'm thinking this woman is, she, you know, she's crying, asking. Um, actually, just before I do that, I say that I've just realized that I've skipped a verse. But it says that Jesus did not answer. So first, she's crying to the Lord, but Jesus does not answer. And then now the disciples are saying, God, send her away. Maybe she's gone and said, oh, Bartholomew, help. Come on, Peter, Simon, Andrew, please. And she's begging and she's crying until the disciples have had enough. And I'm like, Lord, please just send her away. But does this deter the woman? Does the silence of Jesus deter the woman? She cries out to them. And then... Um, I get the impression, you know, like when she says, when the disciples come and say to Jesus, Lord, please send her away. I get the impression that they don't have the power to do this. They're, she's crying, she's begging them, but, you know, they don't seem to have that power to send them away. I don't know, is it because the woman isn't listening to them? She's just crying and saying, I'm not leaving until I've received uh, what I've come here for. Or is it because they can see that even in Jesus' silence, He's not sending her away. He's not condemning her. Could it be that? I don't know. Could it be that the disciples haven't learned from previous experiences? We know that the disciples have said before, Lord, send them away. You know, with the children, they wanted to send them away, but Jesus was like, no, let the children come to me. Um, he did that with the blind man as well, who was shouting, like, quiet. But Jesus didn't. He welcomed him. And then even with the 5,000 that needed to be fed, you know, they said, oh, Lord, send them away so that they would get food. But Jesus was like, no, he wouldn't send them away. So, um, or, may, or maybe, um, so maybe they had learned that actually there's no point in asking Jesus. He would have to do something before he sends them away. And I want to ask this morning, like, do you feel discouraged by those that are around you? So maybe you're praying or you're trying, but actually people are saying, can't you see how long it's taken? Maybe it's not worth it. Do you feel discouraged? I want you to know that Jesus is here for you. He doesn't send anybody away. And then, still shouting and the disciples asking, um, you know, like Jesus sent her away. But what does the woman do? Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I was, lost, I, was, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I'm thinking, Lord, she's desperate. She's asked for your disciples. She's asked this, and yet you still answered this way. 
But it's true. Jesus' response to the woman is correct. Yes, Jesus was the covenant promised Messiah who was to come and save Israel. His priority was the lost sheep of Israel. But we know from the beginning and throughout Scripture that all nations were to be saved. You know, in Genesis 22:18 says, And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We know John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whosoever, there's no limit, whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we have that picture in Revelation where there's a multitude of people from every, trunk, from every tongue, tribe, people. They're gathered worshiping the Lord. So we know that, you know, there's nobody who's excluded uh, from God's grace. But we understand that this is God's sovereign order, that he was to start with Israel and it was to go to the ends of the earth. But I think the woman, even when Jesus said that, she must have had hope. Like, yeah, Lord, you've come for Israel, but here you are. You're entire in Sidon. You have come to my region. So that must have given her like hope. Like, okay, even if you're here for the children of Israel, but right now you're in my region. And then... Um, but she came and knelt down before him, saying... Lord, help me. So we know from the start she's crying, she's screaming. But actually, even with all this thing that seems like there's a bit of rejection, she actually comes even closer in and she goes and she kneels down before the Lord. And like in the King James Version, it says, and she worshipped him. She came in and said, Lord, help me. She didn't shy away or say, oh, no, I'm not part of Israel, so I'll go. But she came and she knelt before him. She is not going anywhere because she realizes that Jesus is the only one who can save her. And then he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I'm like, Lord, she's really coming. She's now kneeling. She's worshiping. What does this mean? You know, but you know, like, even I, if I just think, like, in my culture, calling somebody a dog is very offensive. And I believe that even people in that region, being called a dog was very offensive. We know the Jews called Gentiles uh, dogs, you know, very offensive. Um, but if, maybe if we really take a closer look at what Jesus is saying, I can see that Jesus is also offering this woman hope. The dog referred to here is a little dog, a puppy not the wild and clean scavenging dogs on the street. Jesus talks about the dogs at the master's table. These are pets chosen to be part of the family, chosen to be part of the household. In Mark's encounter, so this encounter is also found in the uh, Gospel of Mark. And in that encounter, Jesus tells the woman, let the children come first and eat before the dogs. You know, and then it got me thinking, like in my grandmother's house, I mean, my grandmother had dogs. I know, believe it or not, even though I'm scared of dogs, but my grandmother had dogs. And what we would do, especially in the evening, we would all be sitting down, eating, 
and the dogs would be there patiently waiting. Like we didn't have dog food. They ate the leftovers, whatever we ate, they ate the leftovers. But they stood there patiently waiting, knowing that when we had finished, they would eat. And occasionally a cousin or my grandmother, somebody would throw a bone. But at the end, they always knew that they would eat. And this woman's response is amazing. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yet even the dogs eat what falls from the master's table. She was saying, yes, yes, God, I'm a dog. Yes, Lord, I'm unworthy. Yes, Lord, I'm not part of Israel. I do not, and she, you know, she says, I don't want the whole bread. I don't want the children's bread. I'm, I'm happy even with the crumbs that are going to fall off uh, the master's table. She knew her position. She knew she was not worthy. But she also knew how generous God was. She had seen his generosity. She had heard about his generosity. And she knew that even the crumbs would be enough for her. She grabs hold of what God has said. So God, I mean, Jesus has said only, you know, the, dog, the children before the dogs. But she held on to that word and said, ah, oh, so then there's a chance for me. I can, you know, be blessed or receive what I've come for. And another thing that struck me when I was reading this is that she says, I'll have the crumbs at the master's table. She does not say, I'll wait for the children's crumbs. You know, she focuses on, the. she understood that the provision will come from the master. You know, it wasn't dependent on what the children, did the children finish or whatever, but it was dependent on the fact that it was the master's table. And how does Jesus respond? Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. Jesus affirmed her. You know, she must have left feeling so content, full of joy. You know, she doesn't even ask, oh, Lord, are you sure? She has met with the living God. She has interacted with the living God, and she knows deep down in her heart that, you know, all is well. And it says that her desires were met. That is our God. Amen. So I think for me now, we just want to go, how does that apply to us? What can we learn from this woman? So I've got a few points here that I've written. So the first is that she went to God with her need. She knew who she was asking for. She was saying, Lord, Messiah, the only one who's able to do something. She did not have a plan B. Even when it seemed as if Jesus was being silent, she pressed on. Even when she felt like the answers that Jesus were giving, she still pressed on. She didn't have a plan B. She wasn't like, oh, God, you've offended me. You're comparing me with dogs. No, she pressed on. She pressed in because she knew that he would have the answer. There was no plan B. So when we come to God, do we grasp who he is? What, what is our vision of God? How do we see God? And we know that he can do abundantly, exceedingly, above all we could ever think and imagine. So when we come, we should come with confidence, knowing that we're coming before the creator of the universe, the one who is able to do something, the one who parted the Red Seas, the one who, when unclean spirits see him, they flee, the one who, the one who laid the foundations of the earth. That is the person that we are coming before. And therefore, we should come boldly like this woman did. She was like, I'm not stopping because I know 
this is where my breakthrough is. And I think that is an encouragement for us that we need to persevere. So even in prayer, we need to persevere. And Jesus tells us to persevere in prayer. He says, persevere. Don't stop asking. Don't give up knocking. Don't give up seeking. Because Jesus, you know, he's ready. And we're saying he's good. So whatever it might look like, God is good. And that we should always keep in mind that uh, we come before a good God. And also something that I'm learning about prayer is that it's relational. It's not just transactional, I'll come and I'll do this. But God draws us more and more in. And as we come to him, he shows us him, He shows us himself. And even from that, we are transformed. And just like this woman, she came in crying, she drew closer. And she left knowing the living God. She left having been affirmed by the living God. And that will also be true for us. So hold on to his word. He is faithful and just. Trust him and see your life being transformed. And one last thing, if you're here and you're feeling, I'm not worthy, you don't know the type of person that I am. This woman was not worthy. She wasn't even part of Israel. But she came, and we noticed that she didn't have to do anything. All she did was come before the living God. And that is the same for us today. We're invited to come. And I find it so interesting. I've been reading through the Gospels, and the amount of times that God is saying, ask, 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 you know, James even says, you have not because you ask not. Come, let us ask. Um, And I think that's where I want to stop. But then I think it is an opportunity for us to respond to what God is saying. And as I was praying this morning, I really feel like God is saying, some people are in relationships that feel so dead, so broken, unretrievable, but God is saying, I am the God who resurrects. You know, he is the resurrection and life, and he's saying, come, ask of me. Whatever looks dead, whatever situation you feel is is dead, he's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. So I just want us to respond to him um, because he's here and he's willing to set us free. So if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, come. If you feel I'm afflicted, I'm desperate, I need you, come. If there's a relationship that you feel needs to be restored, come. He's here, he's waiting. He went to Tyre and Side and he was there and is here now. So come and receive from him. Amen.